Shall we open up the word of the Lord together? Uh, let's stand together. And, you know, in God's providence, he's been having us do announcements with the things that have been coming up on weeks that correlate to the scripture. Uh, and this week, in his sovereignty, we are talking about patience <laughs> and suffering and endurance. So here we go. It's perfect timing. So this is from the book of James, chapter 5, and we will be in verses 7 through 11. Here's what James says. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider these blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purposes of the Lord. How the Lord is compassionate and merciful. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that there um, is more grace in you and, and in Jesus than there are difficulties, trials, sufferings that we face world and so we thank you for that we thank you for the great gift of your presence i thank you for your word would you sharpen our minds today educate our minds would you soften our hearts and put in us a desire um, to follow you to delight in you and we love you we pray this in the name of christ our king amen all right you may be may be seated <clears throat> all right well i i do not remember what she was referring to when she said it, but I do remember she said it when we were eating breakfast. Waiting is hard, she said dramatically. She threw up her arms and she, she pushed out her, her big bottom lip and like threw some sad anime eyes my way, you know, and it's, it's amazing how a small little girl can turn a grown man to mush, like, like in a moment. Waiting is hard. This is my daughter, Hadley Marie. She's six years old. Waiting is hard, and I had to agree. She was right. Having patience is an incredibly difficult thing. It's hard. It's painful. And, by the way, she was etymologically accurate. Let, let me explain. Uh, patience is painful. It's painful. The very root word for patience, it, it's Latin, patiens. Patiens, or patientum. And it literally means to suffer. To be patient means to suffer. Enduring suffering is patience. This, by the way, is why there's that connection. Have you ever noticed between the word patience, you know, to, to endure something, and a patient who's sitting in a doctor's office, right? Why are they there? That patient is there because they're dealing with something. They're dealing with a wound or a disease. They are suffering. So there's a word connection between having patience and being a patient in a hospital because patience is long-suffering. It's not merely tolerating a longer-than-preferred time frame. It's way more than that. There's an element of pain, of suffering, and enduring to it. Suffering is intrinsic to patience. And James, as he comes to close the, the end of this letter here in chapter 5, he's calling the church to patience. He's calling God's people to long-suffering, to wisely and lovingly endure the sufferings that they face. So, 
Let's dig into it. Move through it verse by verse. Verses 7 and 8. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it, until it receives the early and late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. So be patient. That is his call to the church. That is the call of the Spirit to us today as a church through his word. There is the call of wisdom in this. Uh, It is good to be patient. It is a good and godly thing. Now, he qualifies this here. Uh, This patience um, is is about suffering. Okay? Uh, He says, be patient, therefore. What's the therefore about? Well, the therefore is referring to the suffering, the, the oppression, the mistreatment that the church has experienced all around the Mediterranean through the power structures that, that be. And he's kinda, we talked about that a little bit last week through some of those who are, who are wealthy and misusing their funds of the political systems or, or just the, the, the power players. Like they were hurting and marginalizing those who professed Jesus as Lord. So he says, be patient with these things. James knew their difficulties. He lived among the Christian community in that world. He knew the injustices. He knew the unfair situations and the outright suffering that had come their way. And he knew it was hard. He knew it was hard. It had exasperated people. Anyone been exasperated over the last year? I think I've used the word exasperated more over the last year than I have in my entire life. Limits had been reached. I've reached limits this past year. Frustrations were flaring. Temptation to fight fire with fire, violence with violence, unlove with unlove was rising in the people. And James says, don't give in to the ways of the world. Don't give in to impatience and try to force a quick fix. Play the long game. Patiently endure. Persevere in doing good until the Lord comes. So the kingdom of heaven has come in Jesus Christ when he came to this earth and gave us his spirit. The kingdom of heaven has come and is still coming and, and invading. And this word that he uses, um, that, that the, the kingdom is coming or that the Lord has come or the Lord is at hand, this word is an is a interesting Greek word, parousia, and it means to arrive, but it also means presence. So there's a, a now and not yet reality to it. The coming kingdom has come. And is present in Jesus, who lives within us by the power of his spirit, but is also coming. So his presence is here, but his presence is coming. Now, that said, he gives a simple but helpful illustration. Farming. He says, y'all be farmers. Be farmers. Remember, he's speaking to an agricultural society, so this would have resonated with them. A farmer works with the challenges and the blessings of heaven and earth, right? The challenges and blessings of the sky and the soil. The farmer works hard. They split the ground, they prepare the field, they they sow the seed, they water as they can, but the growth will really come from the rains, right? Now, maybe this will help you. It helped me when I came to realize this. Think of Israel's seasons and weather patterns as very, very similar to the Bay Area's seasons and weather patterns. Very, very similar. Okay? So when do our rains start here? Fall, late fall, right? They start. And when in earnest, like what, what's our rainy season? You guys know this, right? It's, I mean, 
end of November, December to February, that's the real rainy season. That's when things get green. And then, you know, the season usually ends with a bang. And when we're not in a drought year and we get some heavy rains and then it's off into summer. That is exactly what happens over in Israel. The early rains come in the fall or the late fall, September and October. These rains are called uh, yore in, in Hebrew, and that means to cast or to shoot. And if you're a Bible nerd, um, there, there's a connection between that word, yore, and yara, which is the Torah, the teaching of the law. But it's casting, and, and, like, and things will be growing because the seed is, is, is going into the ground. And God is casting um, his rains to the earth and teaching us something about reality. So cool. Okay, I digress. I can't get into all that. But the, the rain is, is a drizzling kind of rain. It's a softer kind of rain, which is exactly what is needed because after a long, dry, hot, dusty summer, if flooding rains came, they would wash away the topsoil and wash away the seed, and it wouldn't, it wouldn't go well for the farmers. So it's a nice, drizzling, soft rain that softens the ground, gets the seeds down in there, germinating so a harvest can then be produced. Those are the early rains. The later rains, or the latter rains, take place in the springtime around Passover or Easter, which is going to be when? April? Right? Just like here. These rains are called the Malkosh, which means to reap. In other words, this is when the big, heavy deluge dumps, and it's exactly what those plants need to give them that last push for growth before they're harvested. Now, unlike the surrounding countries that could count on the huge rivers that flowed through them, uh, for, for their crops. Think of the Nile in Egypt or the Tigris and, and the Euphrates over in Iran and Iraq, Babylon. Israel had to look up to heaven to receive the blessing of rain from the Lord. The people depended upon God to water the crops, to bring life, to bring his grace so that uh, the harvest could come and, and, and there could be the joy of the feasts, right? And the farmers knew this was a process. They knew it took time They knew it was hard that they were going to go through ups and downs. There were droughts. There were destructive storms. There was pestilence. There was all sorts of things. It was hard work. And they knew it could not be hurried. It didn't matter how hard they labored in the field. They could not bring the early rains or the latter rains any sooner than God would deliver them. Right? That makes sense. And so he says, be like them. Be like that. Endure the suffering of the ups and downs of the weather. Do your cultivating work on earth. Trust the Lord will give the rains to the fields. Do your cultivating work, but you're going to have to trust him. Big picture. So then he goes on and he gets a bit more specific and he starts to to meddle in the, the social lives of the people. He doesn't change topic. He just pushes further in. Do not grumble against one another, brothers. So that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. And grumble here is just simply means to groan, to complain against, to be frustrated and express it to someone in an unhealthy way. And so he says, look, don't, don't get anxious. anxious. Don't, don't get all controlly. Don't start blame shifting while you endure difficult times that God has allotted for you. He's calling us to realize that patience has a horizontal and a vertical axis. Do you you know what I mean by that? Patience or impatience has a horizontal or vertical axis. So uh, patience horizontally is we are patient with our brother or sister, so we extend them compassion and grace 
and mercy, or we are impatient with them and we groan against them and we throw things at them and blame shift and, and we express our hurt inward, outward towards them. And vertically, we can trust God, that's patience, or impatience, we can um, throw our complaints at God and say, I knew you didn't care. Are you even there? All these things, right? So there's these two axes. And James knows our tendency in suffering is to grumble. It's to turn our frustrations and our pain outward. It's the whole hurt people, hurt people thing, right? We get frustrated. Times are challenging. We don't know how to cope. We don't have a healthy prayer life. We don't have healthy accountability partners. So we just spill our frustrations and we blame shift. Just like back in the garden, it's their fault. It's their fault. Why are they not responding to this thing appropriately? How could so-and-so do X, Y, or Z? Can you believe what they did, right? It just comes out. And James says, stop judging each other. Don't you know the judge is near? Let Jesus hold the gavel. In other words, be careful in this time of friction and frustrations. Be mindful that what you will do when you are hurt and, and suffering is translate that hurt to somebody else. It's that old, old counseling uh, adage that what's not um, trans the pain that's not transformed will be transferred to someone else so be careful that you're not just judging and blame shifting in the midst of a difficult season and it's a difficult season isn't it this stuff has been happening like crazy during covid the stress um, the the fears the frustrations have come out and grumbling at, on both axes horizontal and vertical and if we do not guard against that by trusting in the Lord and having compassion on our neighbor it does violence to our souls and it does violence to our communities so Jesus is calling the people to an unhurried and non-anxious way of being unhurried in that there is a time and a season for things and to trust the Lord with that and good harvests cannot be rushed they take time Take time. And when we live a life of hurry, of a frantic heart, we do damage to ourselves and to other people. Trying to rush God's plan is as frustrating and as futile as trying to rush the early and late rains of Israel or the Bay Area. All you can do is prep the ground, do your cultivation work, and trust the Lord. Now, some words on hurry here. Hurry harms us. We've talked about this before. We're going to talk about it again. Hurry harms us. It does violence to the soul. It does violence to our own souls. It does violence to relationships. We live in a hurry-sick culture. That should be no surprise to hear. There's an old Amish adage that says, the hurrier I go, the behinder I get. Right? The hurrier I go, the behinder I get. But, but the problem just isn't you know, that we're hitting diminishing returns when we hurry, that it's not just efficient. That's not the, the key thing. It, the problem goes deeper. It has been said that you can't live at warp speed, right, without warping your souls. So, so true. Hurry is not caused by demanding external circumstances. Hurry is caused by a disordered heart that is not walking with God. See, we want to blame it on everything out there. Hurry is not caused by just demanding external circumstances. Hurry, this posture of, of, of being, of engaging the world, 
comes from a disordered heart that's not walking with God. And so when we experience this posture of, of hurry and it's seen in our actions, it, it's showing that there's an impatience in our soul, frantic, frustrated, annoyed posture of our soul. And so we have to do things faster and faster to accomplish more and more, to hold the world together or else it's all going to fall apart. This is not a with God life. It might be something of the American way. It might be something of the the Bay Area, the Silicon Valley way for sure. But it is not the way of Jesus. And our culture works hard and it works fast to habituate us in hurry to be impatient people. We, We need to understand this. Our culture is constantly working to make us impatient people. You guys ever seen one of these? These things, this device is designed to habituate us against being patient. It tells us to buy into this world that everything is instant. We don't have to wait. Why should I wait? I have the new 13 and I'm paying for 5G. Why would I have to wait? It's my right not to wait. I paid for it. Right? Instant publishing, whatever you want to say can be seen all over the world. Instant feedback, instant news from across the globe. Instant access to any song. No longer do I have to wait in traffic to drive to this oddity called a, a, a CD store or a, a music store and, and wait in line to, to buy something. I can just have it right on my phone instantly. No longer do I have to go to this thing called the local bookstore and browse and look and ask and see if they have something and take that time. Like, I can have it downloaded instantly. Instant access to anything. Instant access to pleasure. Instant access to whatever you desire to see. Some twisted service will provide it. We are being habituated to getting what we want now. Right now. And don't think that many great things this device can do don't work to form us. We use it, but it is being used to shape us and to, to forge us. Think about it. The cumulative effect of a thousand and one instant operations trains our souls. But I guarantee you, it's, those operations aren't training our souls towards patience. It's quite the opposite. Our souls are not being trained towards long-suffering. We are not being trained to endure well, to suffer well. We are being trained to expect instant fixes and numbing distractions from our sufferings. That's what we're being trained by in a thousand and one small little micro-operations throughout the day, throughout the week, throughout the months and years. We are being trained towards frustration when our timetables are delayed. We need to be wise about our smart devices. They are habituating us to be impatient people. Scrolling over and over and over again, thinking and decontextualized bits and pieces that are focused on us and the algorithms that are working on us to give us what we want, when we want, and at the time of day that they know we're going to read it. We are being habituated towards impatience. And this works against the work that God wants to 
to work in us. God's Spirit is working in us to do ultimately what? What's the great goal of life? What's the great goal of every day? It's to have Christ formed in me that I might become more like Jesus. This is the great goal, to conform to his image. But that is a lifelong process of growth, and it is slow. And I tell you what, it involves suffering. It involves suffering. See, impatience short-circuits our growth and maturing. Why? Impatience short-circuits our growth and maturing. Why? Because impatience is an unwillingness to suffer well. And suffering, whether we like it or not, suffering is one of the primary means, one of the primary venues, one of the primary avenues of being conformed to the image of Christ, growing in Christ-likeness. Love always includes suffering. Love always includes suffering, always sacrifice and self-giving, being other-centered. In suffering, we are being trained, formed, and forged into loving people well. Uh, I love how uh, one of my good friends says it, uh, uh, Dr. David Ekman. Uh, is he? He's normally? Hey, he's here. Dr. Ekman says it, says it this way. Uh, you can tell me if I get this right or not, Okay. <laughs> He says, though scripture speaks many times of the blessings that God will pour out upon his own, it singles out how painful experiences will enable a Christian to be blessed. This enables us to find something deeper and more meaningful than just feeling good. The deeper and more meaningful experience is to discover the comfort and fellowship of God. This goes deeper than pain. Here is a great principle. A Christian's joy should always be deeper than a Christian's pain. Thank you, Dr. Ekman. Impatience and the enduring of suffering in experiencing the rainstorms and, and waiting for the harvest to come, we get something better than quick relief. We get something better than reaching some goal. We get God. We get a deeper union, a deeper relationship, a deeper intimacy with him. We get the gift of his presence. It's way better than a quick fix. See, hurry sabotages prayer. You could say that, that hurry is where prayer goes to die. It's like the prayer, the prayer graveyard. When you're rushed, when you're hurried, you're not praying Hurry sabotages relationships. It is hard to see someone else when they are a blur because you are going at Mach 5. You don't see them. You don't listen to them. You just don't listen to them when you're in a hurry. Because efficiency and speed is driving you. Not, not compassion, not willing, being willing to slow down and listen. And we know that neurologically being listened to um, lights up the brain in the same way that when you're, being, when you're experiencing love from someone, it lights up in the same way. To be listened to is to be loved. And when we can't listen to someone because we're going so fast, they are not experiencing love. Hurry does violence to the soul. It amplifies our anxiety. Hurry is the enemy of intimacy. Therefore, it's the enemy of apprenticeship because at the core of apprenticeship to Jesus is intimacy with him, abiding with him, union with him. The word hurry uh, comes from an old English word, um, to hurry, which means to make war, to lay waste, to ravage, or to plunder, to overrun with an army. 
And that's exactly what hurry does to us. It wages war on our souls and lays waste to our spiritual and our physical life. Apprenticeship to Jesus is a relationship of the greatest intimacy. We're drawn into the triune life. Union is, is, an, is, is intimacy. That's what union is with, with Jesus. And that cannot happen at light speed. So, friends, the patience we are called to, biblical patience, is not simply grinning and bearing while we wait for something to be over. Biblical patience is different. It's not simply putting up with something but it has to do with experiencing God's presence through something. Biblical patience is to be unhurried and non-anxious precisely because of God's presence with us. Now, James goes on to say that this is the way it has always been. This is how it was for the prophets of old. Verse 10 and 11. He says, as an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Look backwards, look to your scripture. This isn't new. Behold, we consider those blessed who remained steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. In short, James is having them look back on God's word to encourage them with the truth. And a quick look back on the history of God's people shows that his faithful prophets had to endure a lot. That they weren't living a life that had them living in instant quick fixes. They suffered well. They endured well. They waited for God's promises to come to fruition. They waited for the harvest of the latter rains. They stayed steadfast. They faced persecution and oppression and hardship. And they're called blessed. And much of that blessing came through the fact of the suffering in which they then trusted God and their souls were nourished by him who sustained them. They suffered well. Then he brings it to Job, right? You've got to bring Job into it. The patience of Job is proverbial, and that proverb comes from James here. From all the examples the Old Testament has, James picks Job. Why? Just because he tolerated some longer-than-preferred timetables? No, it's because he exhibited God-trusting endurance through suffering of all kinds. Because he exhibited this God-trusting endurance through sufferings, the result was God's very presence with him, ministering to him in the darkest pit of it all. He lost his children. He lost his health. He lost his, his wealth. He lost it all. But God's very presence finds him in the middle of those sufferings. And it leads him to a new way of being and worship. James gives us another look into Scripture here with the last verse. He talks about um, compassion, right? Um, the Lord being compassionate and merciful. And this is from Exodus 34. So he's basically saying, oh, and by the way, if you're having trouble with patience, remember who God is. Exodus 34. Let me read a few of these verses here for you. I don't have time to open them up, but let's get the Scripture in our head and our hearts. Exodus 34, verse 5 through 7, here's what he says. The Lord descended in the cloud and stood with Moses. Moses there on Sinai. And proclaimed the name of the Lord. He said who he was. The Lord passed before him, Moses, and he proclaimed. He said, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands of generations, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, 
but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. Here is God's presence with Moses in the midst of a difficult time because the people are down there doing who knows what. Moses is trying to figure out how to do all this, this calling that he's been called into, and God's presence is with him. And God reveals in that moment where his presence is there that he is compassionate and merciful. He's patient. He is slow to anger. He's slow to anger. And he's working goodness throughout the generations. He works in millennia, not just minutes. He is love, so he's patient. To be patient is to be like God. When we are not being patient, we are not being like God. And that brings me to um, a moment that I had <laughs> this past week. There was a point in the prayer and prep for this uh, whole thing where I was, I was just frustrated because I was kind of hitting that writer's block. And honestly, um, this week couldn't have been... Um, a greater opportunity to practice patience because <laughs> of the amount of, of meetings and things and tasks. And I, I think I quite literally hit every red light in Dublin, Pleasanton, and Livermore. I don't know how I did it. I'm sure I set some world record. All while I'm running late from one thing to the next because something took extra time. So, so I'm, I'm hurried and I couldn't write the sermon. I couldn't, couldn't focus. I felt unproductive like I was wasting time that, that I didn't have. External circumstances were a total whirlwind for me this week. So um, I left my office on uh, Tuesday to go to uh, the Jogathon at my kid's school. I got King's uh, Academy there in, in Livermore. Um, and on the way over, I was thinking and praying, I'm like, Lord, what, what do I draw out of this text this week to help my brothers and sisters, to help me? What, what, do, you, what do you have for us? And so while I was praying, probably sitting at a red light, not bitter, um, but 1 Corinthians 13 flashed in my mind. You guys know it. You've heard it at almost every wedding. How does it start? Love is, oh, that's interesting. He's going to give a whole list, a definitive moment on what is love when our culture defines it a thousand different ways and says it's whatever you feel whenever you feel it because you want to feel it. He gives this beautiful list of what love really is. And how does he start the whole list? Love is patient. Man, I meditated on that. Fascinating. And then as I was meditating on that and praying, I said a sentence out loud. And it was an instant conviction gut punch. And then I put it in my notes for the sermon. Where there is a lack of patience, there is a lack of love. Where there is a lack of patience, there is a lack of love. And it was an instant gut punch. Because how many times just this last week, verifiably, empirically, could somebody have pointed to me? Could my wife or my kids or maybe one of you pointed to me and goes, Whoa, lack of patience. Literally just that morning, I exhibited great impatience trying to get the kids out of the house, into the minivan, or into my car, on the way to school to prep them for the day of the jogathon. <laughs> Impatient all over the place. I failed to love my family well. 
and I fail to love some of you well. In the whole conversation with masks and COVID, I've failed to be patient. Failed to be patient with some of the team, and that's a lack of a lack of love, and, and it hit me. A lack of impatience is not a trivial thing. Or lack of patience is not a trivial thing. Impatience is no trivial thing. It's a lack of love, and a lack of love is a big deal because we are designed to love God and love each other well. That is why we are here. And so when there's impatience going on in your life, it's no inconsequential thing. It's this, this bright red beacon on your dashboard saying, watch out, lack of love here, need to conform to Jesus. There are countless opportunities each day to be impatient. There's so much friction in our lives. Things come our way that we don't plan, that make us angry, that frustrate us. We can grumble. We can grumble against God and we can grumble against other people. Right? Horizontal or vertical. Or we can be patient with God, and that is embodied loving trust. And we can be patient with people. That is called compassionate gentleness, one of our other practices of apprenticeship. So we can grumble, groan, complain, throw others under the bus, blame shift, yell at God. Or we can trust him, sometimes even with our yelling. I don't understand, but we're trusting him with it. You know, we, we have an an opportunity no matter what comes our way. See, everything we experience, this is mind-blowing to me, everything we experience has the potential to draw out more loving response from us to God and others. Everything we experience has the potential to draw out more loving response to God and others. Suffering and celebration, a funeral or a wedding, oppression and liberation, Shadowed valleys and sunlit summits. Every one of those things, if we operate out of patience, can draw out a more loving response. So again, biblical patience. Biblical patience is to be unhurried and non-anxious precisely because of God's presence with us. It's not just enduring a time frame we don't like. And so this makes me think back to what my daughter said, so sad and dramatically, over her, her buttered toast that day with her lips stuck out. Waiting is hard. Yeah, it is. How do we do it? How do we do it? Well, we are, as apprentices of Jesus, to practice unhurried presence. Unhurried presence. This is a key aspect to apprenticeship. Now, what is unhurried presence? You can say it is the practice of slowing down, being attentive to God in the present moment he has given you. Living life at a with God pace. Living life at a with God pace. That's what it is. How do we do this? Well, we do things like stop cultivating impatience. We find ways, habits, changes of the things we do to stop cultivating impatience and realizing we're not just using these things. These things are using us because the world is forming us or deforming us. We slow our overall pace. Sometimes it means like grounding yourself, realizing, whoa, my motor's going like so fast. My heart is, is racing. My mind is racing. Here I am. I'm with my friends and family at church. I'm standing here. I feel the ground. I sense my 
thoughts, my heart, my body. Lord, you're here in this moment. And, and you slow your body down. You slow your body down. You stop living in a perpetual state of multitasking, cramming every moment full of something. Another tweet, another scrolling on Facebook, writing some email, catching up on some news. Like You, you stop the, the constant multitasking so that you can actually be present in the moment. And then another thing with unhurried presence is, is when you feel impatience rising, do this. Take just 30 seconds. You can afford 30 seconds. When you feel impatience rising, take 30 seconds and think about how God has been patient with you. Think about all the, the, the numbskull things you've done and all the rebellious, just awful things that you've done and think, you have been so ridiculously patient with me. Meditate on that and then pay that forward to someone else. Live likewise. Extend that grace to someone else. The best way to run this race of faith is by walking with God. <clears throat> now, um, so then how do we do those? And we'll close with this. How do we do those? Because those things are hard. In the moment, we're just wired to do the opposite. How do we do those? We need to realize that we can't do those without Jesus. <clears throat> Because remember, patience in Galatians is one of the fruit of, is, is a, in the, the list of the fruit of the Spirit. So what does that tell us? Right, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Do you work up fruit? No, the, the fruit gets worked out of us because Jesus is within us. And this is so key. Yes, we do all these things, work on our habits and all these other things, but we realize and we live in the reality that patience comes from the spirit of the patient one who lives within us. Jesus was the ultimate, unhurried, non-anxious human because his father was with him. He was filled with the spirit. He was the one who suffered well and said, your will be done, not my own. And through his cross, and his empty grave, and his ascension, now sitting on the throne, he brings a reign of grace to our lives, even through suffering, to bring a harvest that we can never imagine. A harvest of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Waiting's hard. Patience means suffering. But he is with us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are good to us, Lord Jesus. Thank you. <clears throat> Thank you for um, your spirit. Thank you for dwelling with us. Thank you for helping us to become more and more like you, to love well, conform us into, shape us into people who love like you love. Uh, may that happen even more so now um, at this table that we come to. Amen.